Geeky Podcast, the show for the everyday environmentalist. My name is Jennifer, and I am joined today by Chris, Stefan, Eugene, and another Jennifer. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, this is our very first episode. We're really excited to be here. And um, just to give you a little bit of background, this show is part of the Epically Geeky brand, which currently consists of the show Epically Geeky. Marginally Geeky, Epic Roots and Brews, and Epically Geeky Makers. Um, if you're interested in more information about any of those shows, you can visit epicallygeeky.com. And now for a little background on how we decided to start this show. So Chris and I are both on a couple of the shows we just mentioned, and we discovered we're both uh, environmental geeks and really passionate about the world around us. And uh, we thought it'd be cool to start a show about that. So that's how Sustainably Geeky was born. And uh, Eugene here was nice enough to let us join in the, the Epically Geeky brand. So um, we also have, as I mentioned, uh, Jennifer and Stefan, who are environmental enthusiasts. Uh, so I invited them to be on the show to kind of share their experiences and background um, and knowledge. And I'll let everyone share a little more about themselves here in a little bit. Uh, but we're going to um, really the, the goal of the show is to discuss environmental topics and kind of break down things that may or may not be a little complicated or things that people just want to know a little bit more about. Um, and also to give share tips and, you know, best practices so that everybody can live a little more sustainably. Um, so I hope to learn something and I hope that you guys learn something um, in this show that we've started. So uh, the journey to live more sustainably was different for all of us. Uh, so I'm going to give everyone a chance to introduce themselves and talk about why uh, they're passionate about the environment and minimizing their impact on the world. Um, and I'll start us out. So I, uh, you know, have always kind of been interested in the environment, but I wasn't particularly outdoorsy growing up. Um, I camped some with the Girl Scouts and I had an aunt who really helped um, introduce a lot of things to me, science and environmental. But um, I, I wasn't really like super outdoorsy or sports sports growing up believe it or not i know it's crazy yeah um so yeah i didn't really come into this until later in life and um i took some classes in college that were environmentally themed and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things our impact on the world and um it really scared me in a lot of ways maybe angry and made me um wonder about you know what we can do as a species to help curb some of that. Um, so I started doing a lot of research and trying to learn um, as much as I could about the subject. I didn't go to school for this stuff, uh, but I read a lot. I watch a lot of documentaries. I talk to a lot of people, um, probably more than I should, because sometimes it ends up fueling my, you know, it triggers me a lot, I guess you could say. Um, and so I've, I've done a lot of that over the years. And then I decided I really want to start, you know, becoming more active in this cause and helping educate others, excuse me, and also just, you know, trying to reduce my personal impact, doing what I can to make the world a better place. Um, so I found some groups that are doing a lot of this, like the Skater Club and the Nature Conservancy. And I got active with some of those. I joined those groups. Um, I use their resources a lot and I encourage if you want to volunteer or do anything, there's a lot of great organizations out there, local and national. Um, so I, I've done that for years. And then a few years ago is really when I became more vocal about environmental causes and took on more of an activist role. Um, so 
for me, the reason I kind of feel the way I do about all this is because it's, it, it's a life or death situation, in my opinion. Um, we've, the way that humans have impacted the planet and the way that we've lived for so long has, has really taken a toll on the chemistry of the planet and made it so that it's not as habitable for us or for other species. Um, and I think that's really unfair and, and we know it and we're conscious of it and we're doing not a whole lot about it. So, um, yeah, I just think that we have a responsibility as sentient beings to be stewards to our home and help other, you know, species and people around the world that, that may not have the same opportunities. Um, so last year, you know, I, I really wanted to do something big and I decided I was going to start this group locally that um, focused on science and the environment. And we called it the Centex Planeteers. And it's been going strong for over a year now. And we have uh, monthly speakers that come and talk about environmental and sciencey topics. And we go into um, everything from beekeeping to 3D printing, which Eugene talked about, um, to you know, the state parks, to space travel. So we really try to touch on a bunch of different stuff. And the whole reason is really just to get people excited about science again and, and the environment and get people thinking about things they may not have thought about and get that stuff back into the conversation. Because I feel like as a country, uh, a lot of people just don't think about it. They don't try to talk about it or understand it. And it's low pressure. It's just a social thing. Um, you know, we're not pushing an agenda other than like, you know, be a good person and live minimally if you can. Um, but we also go out and uh, experience things in the local community. Um, and I'm going to try to do some service projects down the road that'll, you know, hopefully get people a little more active and, and show that they can make a difference. So that group has been a big part of my life now for about a year and a half. And I decided um, kind of based on the response from that and talking to a few of these guys that I thought we should do a show, a podcast um, to try to, you know, broaden our reach and get more people involved and hopefully, um, you know, just help people learn. So that's kind of my introduction. A little long, but um, yeah, I I think that um, this is exciting, and hopefully we will come up with some interesting topics that you haven't thought about, or that maybe you have, and we'll give you something new to think about. So um, with that, I'm going to throw it to Eugene since he is sitting right next to me, <laughs> and let him tell you a little about himself, and then we'll. Sorry, sorry for the uh, mic noise here. It's a little a little far away from myself. I'm gonna pull it up here. Uh, Okay, yeah. So uh, my name is Eugene Stevens. Uh, I'm, uh, well, I guess you'd say founder of epicallygeeky.com. Uh, we started several different shows, uh, mostly talking about geeky topics. And uh, I met Jennifer uh, through uh, the local convention that uh, uh, that we have here, uh, Geek Fest, every year, uh, which is coming up. So that's we're we're pretty busy with that. Um, just a little bit. Uh, as for my environmental impact i'll be very honest i am probably the least environmentally conscious of of this group yes yes i know um That's why he's here we're gonna convert him well okay so so let's let's talk about that um yes there are several things i could be doing that unfortunately uh with the area that we live in it's just uh like for, so for example the the town that we live in in clean um used to have a recycling program uh that you had to pay for had to pay for the recycling program and they cut it. And it's just like, you know, well, let's just put one more barrier up. 
Um, well, they have a recycle center. You they have a recycle center, exactly. So they but have yes, to pick up the curbside exactly. So you know they 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 made it they made it one step more difficult to be able to do that. But um, I, I am conscious of of some things. Yes, I definitely should be recycling more. That being said, um, I'm also I I'm a crafter and a maker, and um. I'm a member of the Austin area Ghostbusters. I've got a big event coming up and I'm sitting here right now. We're recording this in my office at home and I'm looking at the proton pack that I built. And a lot of it is out of recycled materials. Like literally it's out of a Pringles can PVC pipe, uh, a baking pan. I mean, it's, it's literally a crafted, awesome, good thing that, it, you know, stuff that otherwise probably would have ended up in a landfill. Yeah, um, I do try to do that. Uh, my 3D printing is done with a plastic that is semi-biodegradable. They're working on it, and they keep coming up with better and better versions of it to become more and more recyclable. I'm One of the things I'm really excited about in the 3D uh, printing space is um, being able to make my own filament, which hopefully they're going to make that. There are machines out there. They're still pretty pricey, but like anything, you know, as time goes by, the, the price will go down. Wait, is it like the, the thing where you throw the plastic in and then it melts it into something? Basically, yes. It would basically shred the plastic, melt it, and it, it's they've got that down. The problem is they're trying to get it so that it outputs at a consistent level because otherwise that won't yeah. 3D print well. But, uh, yeah, my hopes are eventually that, you know, like say all the plastic bags and I'm not sure what material, the, which plastic those are made out of, but like see all the plastic bags that you get at Walmart and such. I'd love to be able to go grab all of those, dump it in this thing and be like, Hey, free filament. Like that would be awesome. Um, another way that I do consider myself contributing is, um, I'm, I own my own home and I'm a handyman. Like I didn't used to be, I don't know what it is. The last Several years, I became a handyman. So, like for example, uh, the washer and dryer we have, I've ripped that thing down, both of them, multiple times, and repaired pieces on it. So instead of, you know, buying a new one and setting them out on the curb, I've definitely extended the life on a lot of things in this household, well past what its original use was. Um, and I, I would prefer to do that. I mean, occasionally when things break to the point you can't fix them anymore, that's that's one thing, but. Um, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to, uh, you know, trying to keep stuff, you know, everyone knows, oh, recycle, pull the stuff out of the trash that's in the trash right now and recycle that. But some of these larger things that can be fixed, I'm like, just just fix it or, or take it to someone be, to be fixed. In some cases, it may be a $10 part yeah. and, and you're willing to spend $1,000 on a brand new whatever it is when it's literally a $10 part well, that broke. We've gotten society has gotten to this disposable everything's disposable mindset you know like yeah we use this cup once we throw it away we you know think twice about buying something brand new that can easily be fixed like you said but reducing yeah. and reusing is a big part of it not just recycling so it's all you know limiting what trash we put out like you said so uh so like i said I, i'm probably the least of the group but uh i'm coming around i'm like i said i, I am making an effort in some areas I'm coming in, I'm coming around. So. <laughs> yes, I guess it's peer pressure. You can put it that way. So, <laughs> all right, I'm going to stop talking because I tend to do that a lot, especially on the other shows. All right. Uh, Chris, do you want to go next? Chris, you want to go next? Oh, sorry. Oh, God. Um, 
phone's being glitchy. How Canadian um, are you? I know. I'm Chris. I'm the foreigner. I'm from Ontario, Canada, and I know Eugene and Jen from Epically Geeky. And um, I guess my eco journey started um, when I was a kid. I used to go to this um, summer camp and um, it was very farm to table, lots of um, now they have bunny rabbits and chickens and there's guards and compost and everything like that. And it's on Lake Huron, which is one of the Great Lakes up here. And uh, did that for five years. My grandparents are farmers, both crop and cattle, and uh, saw a lot of how uh, seasons really affect their, their livelihood. Um, you know, my grandpa would constantly complain either there was too much rain or not enough rain and everything sort of depended on that and the seasons and when I got to college I went to college for uh, park and forest recreation and ecotourism so I did that for three years and then um, moved in with my now husband and he did not grow up that way so for us it was sort of meeting in the middle like I bought the you know which we lovingly call the hippy dippy stuff um, for cleaning and laundry and stuff like that. And then it wasn't until about five years ago when we sort of woke up and was like, we got to do something. The life we're living, we're just mindlessly consuming and we're getting more and more into debt and we're just running this rat race that we don't want to do anymore. So we sold our house um, bought a trailer, lived in there for three months, uh, with our two kids who were seven and five at the time. And it was awesome. So we went from about 1800 square feet. Um, the standard Canadian home is around 2100 square feet. So it was pretty standard suburb area. And yeah, we downsized to about 206 square feet and it was awesome. And we had a large breed dog too with us at the time. And it just showed us that we didn't need all that stuff. And the kids didn't need all that stuff. That was the biggest one is that I think, especially parents are sort of sold this bill of goods that your children need all of these things. And the more you give them, the better their life will be when all they really want is a few favorites and your time. That's it. And um, yeah, so we had decided that that's what we we're going to do. We were going to live in our trailer and then rent throughout the winter and then live in the trailer in the spring and summer. But what wound up happening is we found a really great little cottage on Lake Huron and we bought that and we've been renovating it for the last four and a half years. And we've been using mostly reclaimed material and we are now a zero waste family. And yeah, so we try our best and the kids every year complain less and less and less about how weird our family is. And um Ray's been really great my husband he's been fantastic he sort of goes along with all these harebrained ideas that I have and he's his eyes have been more open and he does things now that he wouldn't have done six seven years ago like um if he doesn't have bags with them he'll ask uh the cashier if there's a box he can have or he just carries it in his hands he'll just gather everything up in his arms and just carry it out like that out of the store and um the kids have been really great too. They're starting to see things and living at the lake, um, especially because we have four pretty severe seasons here. 
they're seeing changes. Our winters aren't as harsh as they used to be. Um, storms are a little bit more intense than they were. We've lost power a few times during the winter time and them um, being comfortable with, okay, so if the power goes out, it's winter, we've got our firewood, we've, we've got things in place, we'll be okay. But you know, it sucks that power went out in February. And so we're hoping to be off grid one day, maybe not in the near future, but hopefully soon. And yeah, so we, I do this because I want my kids to be more aware of their surroundings and nature and just pay attention and be more uh, cognizant of that. And uh, yeah, that's it. And, and you post a lot of your stuff uh, online or do you follow a lot of pages, right? That promote this kind of thing? I do, yeah. I, I don't have a personal Instagram. I just have one that's full of um, zero waste. I follow a lot of zero wasters and minimalists and we post um, pictures of our renovations. We do all of our renovations ourselves um, to cut down on cost mainly, but so that we can control the materials that come in and out of the house too. Um, so yeah, and our cottage is about 650 square feet. So it's a little bit of a change, but it's nice and it's very doable and we, we don't feel cramped at all. Uh, Jennifer, would you like to go next? So I'm like 10 minutes from my house. So if someone else wants to, <laughs> I'm like bouncing. Sorry. <laughs> what was that? You said you're about 10 minutes out. Yeah, I'm 10 minutes from my house if someone else wants to go. Okay. Uh, Stefan, would you like to go next? Yeah, I'll go. Um, my name is Stefan Sequera, and um, I'm passionate about the environment. Well, passionate's a very strong word, and <laughs> I take the meaning of words pretty seriously. So I don't want to say that I'm passionate if I'm not actually passionate. Um, anyway, that's that's a bit of a rabbit trail. Sorry, but I just. I do care about it a great deal. And um, I think it started back in uh, high school. I was a part of this ecology club. You know, we would do things like watch videos about how the earth was going to pot. And, but we would actually do things like um, collect, you know, have collection drives, things like that. But um, I think where it really started was when I lived in Portland, Oregon from 2006 to 2012, and um, Portland's really a great place to live uh, for people that care about the environment and and just their footprint and stuff. And so I learned a lot there. I went through their um, master recycler class, and I think that was 11 weeks or something like that. Um, and also, um, just as a Christian, I feel like because I believe God created the world and everything in it, like um, it's our responsibility to you know, take care of it because it's, it's a gift and um, it shouldn't just be uh, misused or mistreated. So um, yeah, I'm happy to be on here. I'm kind of like Eugene. I, I don't feel like I'm a, a super environmentalist by any means, but what, 
what little that I do, I'm happy to talk about. And I'm mainly am interested in learning about what other people are doing. And like, I would love, for example, you know, I think in my heart of hearts, I would love to be a zero waster. And so the fact that you are, Chris, is amazing and inspires me. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Tell me more about this master recycling program. Yes, that's, that's a weeks. thing. What did you do for yeah. 11 weeks? Yeah, it was great. So it's this program that is put on by Metro. Metro is sort of like this um, quasi uh, governmental entity. It's not like the city of Portland, but it's not the county of Multnomah. It's kind of in between. It's like a regional thing. But anyway, um, really the goal is to train up people to be not just passionate, but also knowledgeable about um, recycling in particular, and also other topics related to you know, green living. But, um, and then the idea is that these people would then go into the community and train others and teach others and kind of you know, pass on their knowledge. So almost like a viral type thing, which I thought was very clever uh, of Metro. Green pyramid scheme? Like Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Where everybody wins? That's right. The environment. And we, we each got a, a trip to Tahiti at the end. And, uh, oh, nice. No, just kidding. Um, emissions free plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, We're wow. We're going to get there someday, though. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. But. Speaking of ecotourism, in uh, I have some friends in Costa Rica. Did you ever, Chris? Were you ever in Costa Rica? No, but I did go to Belize um, oh, cool. for a school trip for ecotourism, which was pretty awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's that's me in a nutshell. I I I do a little bit here and there. Um, I'm I'm no Jennifer Hetzel by any means, but uh, <laughs> who is? Yeah, I think actually I would say the thing I'm most proud of is probably I got rid of two different cars, like on two separate occasions, I got rid of my car. Um, and I was pretty proud of that, but that was only for yeah. a few years at a time. So that was uh, when you lived in a big city, right? Like, yeah, that was when Portland I was in Portland. Yep. And then I was in um, Sacramento. So. See, that's the thing about living in Texas. I would love to not have to have a car for everything, but between mm -hmm. everything being so spread out and it being so damn hot, it's it's really impossible <laughs> to not yeah. have a car if you don't live in a city that, you know, we're not built for that. And I, and I imagine if you live in like, you know, any state really that's not compact, you live. But yeah, pretty much unless you're living in a big city, it's kind of hard, you know, until we get the yeah. whole driving vehicle thing completely ironed out which i'm hoping within the next decade that's going to be a thing because i i have no problem having a robot drive me and like getting like to the point that we have two vehicles um and i would have no problem keeping the larger vehicle for family trips and just like saying all right well every day at seven o'clock whatever you know the robot car pulls up and I get in and I go to work. And then there's one waiting for me when I get home, you know, whenever I go home, I'd have no problem with that. No problem at all with that. So it's just, we've got to, we've got to get to that point. Yeah. We I have to have two cars where we are too. 
Oh, teleportation, yeah. please. Yes, somebody. Yeah, oh well, yes. I mean, but yeah. Acceptable alternative. And then, but then there's the whole there's the whole transporter thing. You have to figure out: Are you really? I'm not going to go. That's a separate podcast. Anyway. <laughs> that's Star Trek <laughs> crap. Of your body here, <laughs> traveling in the air. Well, anything else you wanted to? Discuss? No, I think I'm good. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you. We're happy to have you. Jen, are you ready to talk? Yeah, I finally made it. Perfect timing. <laughs> Sorry, we got stuck in Austin traffic. My uh, oh no, brother was visiting, so I had to take him around the city. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, so I'm Jennifer Rawlings, and I actually had a, a passion for the environment and saving the world since I was a little girl. Um, I don't know if it was like the Captain Planet generation that I grew up in or growing up in California. Um, and the schools were amazing there and they, they did a really uh, great job at um, just kind of instilling that innate nature of being part of the world, right? Like we we live in this place that we kind of live separate from a lot of the time now. Like we don't live in caves anymore. We live in this nice air conditioned home. And so as a kid, you just don't know anything different. So I think in California, they did a really good job of connecting us with nature. So we went on um, some, some field trips where we went to the gold mines where we could see all of the environmental degradation that happened from the gold mining effort. And I just knew from that instant, like I wanted to try to do when I grew up to, to help try to save the world. So um, I'm sure somewhere like there was like you, you felt like you wanted to do something to help um, with, with what's going on in the world right now. So I um, went to the University of Texas in Austin and got a degree in environmental science and come horns yeah <laughs> so now i i work at fort hood and i do what i can um to try to make things better i i really wanted to go to a place and work where there really wasn't a lot going on at the time because places like austin were pretty infiltrated with that kind of thing already mm -hmm. and um i've been there for 12 years and it's been it's been amazing so far. We we did single stream recycling. I was able to um, start up a food waste composting program. So I think the biggest thing for me is just making it accessible to the general public um, to be more environmentally conscious, even if they're not aware of it. So um, we just provide recycling to the Fort Hood residents and we provide food waste composting and we do a lot of education. So um, that's kind of me a nutshell <laughs> real real quick jennifer um your video's kind of cutting in and out so i don't know if you want to try to restart that or maybe just turn that off because it, it's it's being a little uh the video part anyways your sound is fine but it may just be the you know the upload or whatever um okay just, are you guys all connected to wi-fi um we're on ethernet here but i don't know about them i'm on wi-fi oh I'm on Wi-Fi. It may and it may just be the look. I don't know. Yeah, it could if just you be. Shut the it off and shut it back on. 
you know, may just need a reboot. Um, you were fine in the car, and then yeah, that's what the odd thing is. is exactly were... <laughs> like, um, but yeah, okay. Jennifer and I are on a group called the Centex uh, Sustainable Community Partnership, which uh, is a group that she helped start several years ago. That basically brings together all of the local cities from. Uh, Temple, Belton, all the way, I think, out to Colleen, or I'm sorry, Cove and Lampasas and Gatesville and everybody. And we, and they all have a representative from their, um, their, their municipal governments. Um, and then there's some citizens uh, that don't work for the government. So like me, I'm on the citizens committee. Um, and we, you know, kind of have a mission to help promote sustainability in the local area. And they, they go to a lot of events and um, have tables. Um you guys, we're also doing like a, a program within the schools to kind of get the kids excited and make it a contest. And so um, that's a really big thing that, you know, Jennifer's worked on as well. And she, you've done a lot like on post, you know, the whole net zero waste thing. And, and like you said, starting the compost thing. So she's a really big deal in the sustainability world. And <laughs> I don't know. I'll try to stay <laughs> humble. <laughs> Well, I think the thing you're doing with kids is so great because getting people started in that mindset young is so much better than trying to convert somebody who's, you know, say middle-aged or something. It's just very much more difficult to yeah. change that mindset. When I first started working there, um, I was really just focused on like the young soldiers because I felt like waiting for the young kids to grow up to make a change was too late. <laughs> like, I was like, we don't have time, people. Like, <laughs> like right now. And it, it wasn't helpful that, you know, a lot of the conferences and things I'd go to in my career, they were basically like, by 2030, if we don't make this happen, like, we're kind of at that tipping point and it's beyond repair. And I don't know if I want to, like, it's not bandwagon too hard because it is climate change climate you know everything's changing but um yeah so i i just started out trying to focus on the adults but i realized to get to the adults you had to get to the kids so focusing on families was really kind of where we found our uh, champions in the community is once you can get the kids on board and you could get the parents on board because they kind of force their parents to do it. <laughs> I, say, I hear that kids can be very annoying sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> persistent. They're hey, very persistent. Why aren't you doing that? Yeah, that's really cool. And so uh, for those that aren't aware, Fort Hood um, is the army post that, you know, we live right next to here in Colleen. And it's technically the biggest or one of the biggest in the country, if not the free world. Um, and they committed several years ago to going net zero waste and net zero energy. Is that correct, Jennifer? So wow, that's the, awesome. The Army as a whole is committed to net zero energy, water, and waste by the year 2050. And there was a handful of Army installations that committed to one of those three or two of those three. And Fort Hood submitted for both energy and waste, but we were only selected for waste. But we have been doing a significant amount of effort towards energy as well, just on our own, because we knew it was important. Um, so we just put in, I think it was like a 35 megawatt solar field uh, to kind of help so with that. Cool. Yeah, 
That's so, so great. Yeah, they have a huge solar field the size of like, what, 10 football fields or something ridiculous. Uh, a bunch of wind panels out in West Texas where they're going to, they're getting all this energy and I think eventually transition hopefully to almost a hundred. And then um, everybody's required to recycle and post uh, composting. You know, they do that at the defect, the, the dining facilities, um, the restaurants and everything. So yeah, it's, it's a really in, impressive operation. And um, the military takes climate change seriously as a threat, like to national security, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's interesting now that we have, different leadership overall um, to see what's going to happen with that. Cause they've already committed lots of money and time and resources to, you know, working against that. Um, but yeah, so I'm very proud that, you know, I live next to a post that, that does all that and that has access. Um, and they do take recycling and compost and everything. You know, if you can get on post, you can put it in their bins. So you don't have to live there or anything. So pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's why we really started that Centex partnership with the communities is because we knew that we couldn't reach net zero waste or any kind of sustainability goals if our neighbors weren't on the same page with us. So I think the whole purpose of the Centex partnership is to educate the city leadership on what they could be doing to kind of help with this overall goal of just being more environmentally conscious. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of a like a recy- master recycling class. We should make all city leadership mm-hmm. go through one of those. There you go. Hey, I can totally I, I see that all the PowerPoints. Fantastic. <laughs> Please just don't volunteer to do it because I'm like you're li- you this up uh, this last thing you just listed. I'm like, I thought I had an idea of everything she's on, but I'm oh my god, I, I, I'm, I'm, if y'all all know her, she's on like more things than I can think of. Like, yeah, and I don't always do all of them very well. It's all good though. You're trying though. Like trying. That's there you go. That's what matters. Yeah. So, yeah, so awesome. True. Well, uh, Jennifer, did you have anything else to add or talk about? Uh, no, not really. Just want to thank you for putting this all together. I think the thing that you're trying to do. Thank you. Thank you for your thank you. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll just kind of open it up to um the next part of our show. So, so typically we would have a topic, uh, going forward. We'll, we'll have a topic each show where we'll discuss different things. Uh, each, you know, episode will have a different theme. Um, since we were doing introductions tonight, that's kind of our, our topic. Um, but I do want to have a segment each show where we talk about a green life hack. So if you have a product or, um, just some really cool practice that you've recently discovered or that you just think is awesome and you want to share with everyone. Um, this is where we'll, we'll talk about that. And I, uh, did not bring my green life hack tonight, but I was going to show you guys. It's really not that interesting to look at, but mine is a pumice stone for pilling on shirts and sweaters because I just discovered this and I feel really dumb for not knowing that this was a thing and that it was as easy to use as it is. But I've always used those little machines that, you know, you shave your sweaters and shirts with. Yeah. I hate the pilling that you get on them. It drives me nuts. And it always ripped holes in them or didn't work. So I did some research and found that you can just get a pumice rock, you know, like very finely uh, with very fine pores and it works amazingly. So it's all natural. It's very, you know, low impact and easy to use. So that's mine. And it's kind of lame, but 
No, that's not lame at all. That sounds it's, awesome. It's really cool. So, uh, who would like to go next? So, uh, I recently started using um, essential oils and making my own cleaning products and like laundry detergent. Um, and I, I was kind of amazed at how it all turned out. I bought a lot of ingredients to mix a bunch of recipes together from Pinterest, and it actually turned out pretty well. So now I'm not putting a bunch of chemicals into the water. I'm very intrigued by that because I always think, oh, that's so much work and time and does it actually work? But everybody <laughs> I've talked to has said it's pretty legit. So <laughs> I need to give it a shot. Uh, the, the products that you're buying, you're paying for water and packaging and transportation of that water. So, right. like, most of your laundry detergent is, like, water. <laughs> That's um, true. So, yeah, it actually ended up saving money by just buying a few key ingredients and experimenting with a couple different recipes. Jennifer, what's, like, a good website that has instructions on how to do that stuff, like, put those together? Uh, there's so many, and I actually bought a lot of books as well, so maybe next time I can um, highlight all of those. But honestly, some of the better recipes I found were just on Pinterest and, like, typing in whatever specific product you're wanting to make. Ooh, we could do a show where we make the stuff on the show. And, you know, <laughs> I think that'd be cool. <laughs> show us what it looks like and how to mix it. And, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's it's cool. Less Plus what? It's less intimidating when you can see, oh. you know, someone doing it and that it like actually works, right? Yeah. That's well, that's always the problem with Pinterest, though, is, you know, some of the stuff on there turns out great and you're just like, wow, as advertised. And some of it, you're just like, <laughs> you are a liar. Nailed it. Nailed yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think, but now that you know how to make this stuff, you can make these things for gifts. Like, that's cheap and go. it's thoughtful and it's home but you know it's like the coolest gift i have a great deodorant recipe that i've been using for like three years now i love it it's super easy it's like three ingredients and it worked would it work in texas because <laughs> yes, well, remember does. she was down sweat. here I was, oh, yeah, that's true that's true i was I'm, gonna I'm say i can test that she smelled good when she was here yeah <laughs> i need that because i hate having to buy deodorant and then you know mm. tom's does not work okay i've tried tom's <laughs> I use a um, salt. It's like salt crystal. Oh. And you put like you run it under water. What? <laughs> yeah, it's so I crunchy. Mean, I love it. I mean, oh, Lord. That works, but if you sweat or you get like in the water, you just have to reapply like every like thirty minutes. But it's like oh, legit. Well. <laughs> and I'm convinced so, that it's way better than whatever chemicals are in the sunscreen that we buy. So it's, is it, you said it's a deodorant or a sunscreen then? So I made a uh, sunscreen. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. So cool. That's interesting. I want to learn how to make that. Is it coral safe <laughs> sunscreen? Um, it should be safer than all the other crap we put on our body. Yeah. Sure. You can pronounce that versus I, I was, benzonitate, I, whatever. Yeah. I was waiting for her to say, no, it's big chunks of coral that takes to me. No. <laughs> I mean, they're all natural. I don't know if like shea butter is for coral. I'll have to Google it. Well, I think there's well, just I, two chemicals. Yeah. 
Go ahead. I got one that I'm excited about. Uh, I recently installed faucet aerators. And so I put, um, they're basically just these little adapters that you put on the end of your faucet and it saves a ton of water. Hmm. And I just did this like last week. They only cost like less than five bucks from Home Depot. And what it does is it just kind of is like a mesh. And so it forces the water through these, you know, small openings. Um, and I put like three that save 75% of water. And then I put one on our kitchen faucet that saves 30% water. So, I mean, man, but they, I cannot wait to see our water bill. <laughs> they give you enough pressure, though, when you, you know, like it yeah. still feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically, it's like the same amount of pressure, but just less water. It's, um, it's sort of like, you know, when you go into a bathroom, like a public bathroom in like an office building or something, or like an airport, and it's kind of like, instead of this like, um, full stream it's like these little jets you know that come out mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that oh yeah i like that and my wife so. my wife was okay with it she's she gave it the <laughs> thumbs up so well i'm interested to see what amanda says when you start making your own uh deodorant and <laughs> <laughs> laundry detergent. yeah we'll see she might she might draw the line there yeah She's been a good sport though about all the other stuff because she's pretty new to a mm -hmm. lot of this and she'll come to me and say, okay, what do I do with this or that? Or yep. what does this mean? So yeah, no, she's on board, certainly with the recycling for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Uh, Chris, did you have one or was the deodorant yours? Um, I have, well, I have one, um, although the deodorant is pretty fantastic. Okay. Um, so to cut down um, on plastic bags, uh, and spontaneous trips to wherever. I have two foldable plus uh, reusable bags in my backpack at all times. My backpack is my purse and they're just in there constantly. So if we are out and about unexpectedly and we need a bag for something, I've got it. I've put corn on the cut, like corn on cob from a road stand in there, the kids bathing suits. Um, when we went out shopping to the mall, I just shove everything in there and they're pretty expandable. You could shove a lot in there. Um, and it's just the easiest, quickest way that I can think of to cut down on uh, one of the biggest throwaway plastics is just have a reusable, a foldable reusable bag in your purser, whatever, at all times, because then are, it's just there. Are plastic shopping bags as big of a thing in Canada as they are in the States? Like, do, you know, do they have them at every store or do they kind of expect you to bring your own bag? No, they have them at every store. What most grocery stores do, I think all grocery stores now charge you for them. So they ask you in advance if you're going to need bags or not. So then while they're bringing all your food through, they count out how many bags that you've used and charge you for that. One of the grocery stores I go to, um, they save all of their um, boxes from all of the food and produce that they get. And they put them at the end of the tills in this big bin. So if you've forgotten your bags or you don't want to yeah. pay, I think it's like five or 10 cents per bag, you could just grab one of those cardboard boxes and oh, nice. they're free and you just fill them up that way. But yeah, their plastic bags are everywhere here, everywhere. Yeah. Aldi style. They don't do bags Yeah. Either. I think the only place that doesn't charge for them is Walmart. Oh, wow. 
Walmart. Give it time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it time. If Walmart can figure out a way to to cut down or, or make a dollar on it, they'll figure it out. Speaking <laughs> so. of plastic bags, who's got a cat poop solution? <laughs> you have to teach him how to go on the toilet. Uh <laughs> Put it, oh, teach him to go in the toilet? Yeah. yeah, my friend just did it. He said it took a year, but it works now. Now you don't have to buy it. You don't make a mess? No. Because no. I thought about it, That's but incredible. mine are all geriatric or senior oh, cats, and they're not going to learn at this point. Well, I have a friend, too, that's trained them to go outside, but she has a doggy door, so they can get in and out. But her, her certain part of her lawn is her, uh, you know, yeah. kitty box, basically. Hmm. I don't know if that's an option where you are because yeah. you don't have a fenced in yard, I don't think, right? We don't, no. But I like that idea, though. Basically, turn it into a fertilizer. Yeah. yeah. Smell cat pee sometimes. <laughs> Keep it relegated to one part of the yard, I guess. Well, if it's in grass, it would be bad. You wouldn't smell yeah. it, but yeah. So, which is why we don't have a sandbox outside. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was going to say if if I had one, it would be uh, to go along with what I talked about that I do. Uh, YouTube. Um, it's one thing to try to read how to repair something uh, to save it. It's completely different to sit down and watch someone else do it and go, I can do that. And and honestly, that's the mentality you have to get is um, it's already broken. What are you going to do? Break it more? <laughs> give it a, give it a shot. You know, you, you may find out, wow, that, that wasn't that hard. Like literally all I needed was a screwdriver and it was a 10 cent part that if I called a repairman, it was going to cost me $150 for the call and, and this, that, and the other. And you can save a lot of money that way. Uh, like I said, you keep stuff from, you know, ending up in the trash or, or, or anywhere else. Just like I said, if it's already broken, give it a shot, try to repair it yourself. And if it works out, Great. Now you've got a story and it'll give you confidence. If it doesn't, then it doesn't call your friend Eugene. <laughs> which I've done before. Or you're you're not out anything anyway. You've you've got a learning experience. You gave it a shot, you know. So Man, but, I yeah, wish I talked to you yesterday. Oh <laughs> what what did you what did you do? Our AC went out, the guy came out, fixed it in like five minutes. It was turns out it was a capacitor that just needed to be replaced, mm-hmm. but had to pay him 130 bucks. Yeah. Capacitor. Yeah. I've, um, electrical work is sometimes a little questionable, but like anything mechanical, like, you know, the washer and dryer we have are a little bit older. Like I've, I've changed the transmission on a, on a washing machine. And like, my dad was even like, how hard was that? I was like, it wasn't like, I had to go buy a bigger socket set, but I'm like, it really wasn't. I said, I think it ran me maybe $30 on Amazon for the part. And then whatever I I spent on the socket set. But I mean, that's tools that I can use other places. And that that's easily a two or $300, you know, repair cost or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, my wife likes to buy things in bulk or whatever, or when they're on sale and say, Hey, look, I saved you money. And that's how I say, Hey, look, guess what? I just saved us $150 on a, on a, you know, a call. So, but yes, yeah. YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I think you could you could probably find videos on how to make a lot of the stuff uh, Jennifer was talking about too on there. I mean, oh, I'm sure. There's YouTube videos for everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that is the show. Um, if you don't mind, anybody that's watching, please uh, you can well you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. 
Anything else? Anywhere else? Uh, those are the main three. Okay. Um, so please follow the podcast, share it with your friends, give us a five-star rating. Um, this show will be posted under the Epic Geeky channel, correct? Mm-hmm. So uh, like the Epic Geeky channel, and you um, should see this show show up in between the others. So you can listen to whichever ones you want. If you just want to do this one, that's fine. Um, but we invite you to also check out the rest of them because they are all awesome. Um, and uh, everybody, if you wouldn't mind, just let us know where to find you online um, via social media or on the website or wherever else you're comfortable sharing. Um, Jean, would you like to? I sure share? will. Uh, <laughs> you can of course find everything on the site at epicallygeeky.com. Um, and then epicallygeeky.com. You can find Epically Geeky on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. And then, of course, the YouTube channel. Uh, but if you want to follow my individual wacky adventure, you can find me at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Chris, where can we find you online? Um, on Epically Geeky, uh, Marginally Geeky, and I think on an upcoming episode or two of Epic Rhythm and Bruce for Lainey's uh, decade series and then just on Instagram um, you can follow our uh, renovation process and just uh, small house living um, at Cedar Birch Cottage awesome Jennifer where can we find you online um so I'm on Facebook just Jennifer Rawlings and I'm also the new chair of the Centex Sustainable Communities Partnership so you can go to sustains.org and any message that you send will go straight to me. Awesome. Stefan, can we find you online? I know you're very hidden and obscure. So. No. I avoid <laughs> this social media like the plague. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I can be found on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Het's Gonna Be Me. <laughs> you can sing it if you want. Het's Gonna Be Me. Um, <laughs> And yeah, on marginally or excuse me, epicallygeeky.com um, and all around the Central Texas community. So thank you guys again. Um, feel free to suggest any future topics uh, through the pages that we've mentioned. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed our first show. Have a good night. This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.